Kind and gracious Heavenly Father, you have given us all good gifts in Jesus Christ. We thank you that, that we can marvel in his, in his birth, knowing that, that this is the greater story of, of him being true man, growing up, dying, rising, and ascending, and also that he's coming back for us. Grant us to, to, to be in awe of Christmas, that indeed that we would have Christ in Christmas, but always that whenever we think of Christ, we would remember Christmas. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We gather here. I always like to start with a, a, a song. I didn't print out sheets today because we had some difficulties with the printer today. Um, barely got your lesson printed. It's a whole other story. Thank you, Beth Hahn, uh, for, for making sure that got done. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just, and Carrie Janetsky, she, she saved me because she had to print in the school because the Riesel was not working properly. So, so, but, so I didn't get my sheets done, so let's sing the first stanza only of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So who's going to lead us? Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn King, peace on Okay, well, Merry Christmas. And so today, um, uh, just to explain for the whole class, this is a kind of a one-off, I figured, uh, have Bible study, but we're not going to be really in the background to the New Testament as much because we weren't going to have a full class today. So we'll start up next week. We'll be more back to the background of the New Testament. Keep those questions coming about New Testament questions. So I thought today we'd actually look at Christmas, Luke chapter 2, but what I'd like to do is look at Luke 2 in its entirety, but then go back and we'll take a look more specifically at, at elements of the Christmas story as we have time. Um, and I think it's very important to, to see Luke 2 kind of in its entirety because that's kind of how it was meant to, meant to be. Um, Luke does a... Um, in the Gospel of Luke, there's, there's, there's the markers, you know, that they can tell where major sections are, are, are starting, right? Okay, and so Luke 1 would be a, a single unit. You have an introduction, and then you have Zechariah in the temple, and you have these vignettes in Luke chapter 1. You have Zechariah in the temple, Gabriel visiting Zechariah, uh, then Gabriel visiting Mary, Mary visiting Elizabeth, and then Mary's Magnificat. Then we also have um, then John the Baptist being born. Um, Zechariah telling his name is going to be John, even though it's not any related to any other family names. And then the Benedictus. And then we note at the end of, um, of chapter, chapter 1, you have this note, and the, and the child, that's John the Baptist, grew, and he became strong in the spirit, 
and and um, and it was in the and there in the desert places in, in days of his uh, um, of his uh, announcing these things to Israel. Okay, um, and so so you you have John the Baptist set up. Now you're going to set up Jesus, and you have Luke chapter two. Okay, and so what I've done for you is, and this is the hard part because black and white would have been easier, but the resources where we make color copies is um, I did a little color coding for you. Um, in Greek, there's different ways that you can express the, the, um, the word and. You can connect, there's actually uh, more than one way, just like in, um, I don't know, anyone here has studied Latin? Um, in Latin, you can connect with uh, um, et, or, or then, uh, then, but you also connect with, uh, with ta also in, in Latin, and so it's a, you know, so, so in Greek, you connect differently, and, and the reason I, I say this is that, is that, well, one is oftentimes the English Bibles just will leave out the word and. And so where the word and is left off, it's in parentheses. So in other words, you don't even see and in the English Bible. But I've also kind of color-coded at special points in the chapter where, um, where different types of the word, word and and um, are, are, are taking place. There's, and there's the, in green will be like the, the simple and, okay? And so we just kind of connect things together. In red will be uh, a, an and that connects, but also uh, maybe signifies a slight change of scenery. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Now, what's behind all this is that, is that you'll notice that there is more separation between verses 3 and 4 than there is between verses 20 and 21. In our mind, Christmas is all about Luke 2, 1 through 20, right? Not in Luke's mind, and therefore not in the Holy Spirit's intention. So... So what you see is that Luke 2.21, um, and at the end of eight days, is a very simple and. It's connected to, to Luke 2.1 through 20, and then, and then the purification, 40 days old. These three events, Christmas, eight days old, being circumcised and receiving the name Jesus, and then Luke, um, then at 40 days old, being presented in the temple. And that's where Simeon is there, and that's where Anna's there. These all three are to be seen all together, all together, not as, as entirely separate units. Okay, there is obviously there's a time separation indicated in the text, but what happens in the church and, and popular Christianity is that we basically ignore everything else in the chapter, right? Which is not what uh, Luke is intending to do. And indeed, there is a slight break at the end of verse 40. In verse 40, if you look at it, um, and, the, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. It's kind of a summary, and the favor of God was upon him. And, um, and his parents went to Jerusalem every year. It's actually a, uh, a weaker connective right there. Uh, so that 41 and the rest of the and the rest of the chapter is connected to the rest of the chapter. It's, it's not a 
that, that Jesus at age 12 is not to be seen entirely differently. So what Luke is doing is having this whole picture of Jesus' childhood in pre- preparation for his ministry, not just a, a, a Christmas account, and then you just leave it there. Does it make sense, what I'm saying? And, and so, so I wanted to show that to you. That's why I color-coded it, right? And so uh, um, let me just go through the color coding again. Um, I think actually, does anyone have their, their cell phone that can look up the King James Bible real quick? Or does uh, 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 James has it? Okay, Luke chapter 2, how is the King James? It doesn't start with, and it came to pass, and, and it came to pass, right? It's, right? The word and is the first word in, in the King James, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yes. Yeah, and it came to pass. The ESV just leaves out that word and right there. Um, so what, what, what's happening is that Luke 1 is being connected to Luke chapter 2. Okay? So we don't want to separate out, you know, um, Gabriel, Mary, John the Baptist, John the Baptist being born from the Christmas story. So that those stories are connected um, with, with each other. Then we go into the Christmas story, and you just n- notice that, and this is just maybe to an extent Pastor Schumacher, um, I don't know if he want to be snarky or just kind of making a point right here. There is more of a division between verses 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and, um, and 16 and 17 than there is between 20 and 21, or 21 and 22, as far as, as, far as Greek Greek connective words. So, so we, we don't isolate Christmas um, at, at 20. Okay, so I just wanted to go over there. Um, and then, um, and I already talked about that, there's a, um, uh, verse 15 is connected to verse 14, glory to God in the highest and earth peace with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away, that word and is in the Greek text. Um, when you just do, and so that's closely connected, the, the shepherds responding to the angels is connected to the angel's message. Okay, and then you just go on. Uh, maybe we could talk about the actual text. And then we talked about um, verse 40, and then, um, and then verse 47, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding. And then we have the summary verses. So, so look at this. At the end of Luke chapter 1, um, verse 80, long chapter, right? John the Baptist, okay, is talking about John the Baptist. And child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to, to Israel, okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is talking about Jesus. And then... After Jesus in the temple at age 12, um, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So you have these summary, summary words at the end of Luke 1 and two spots in Luke chapter 2. Okay. Now, this is actually, actually quite helpful because what, what you have in Luke 1 is setting the stage. Then you have Christmas, the, our, our Lord coming, and the angels know what's going on. Glory to God in the highest. And then... And then we see Jesus um, being 
part of the Old Testament faith. This is very important. And, and I mentioned the sermon. Look at all the connections be, of the Old Testament to the New Testament right here in the Christmas story and in these other stories. You have what? You have, notice that the angels tell, um, well, first of all, you notice in Luke chapter 2 about Joseph because he was of the house and lineage of David. Bing, Old Testament. With the angels say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, being a savior, which is Christ, being, so whenever you hear the word Christ, it means Messiah, right? The Lord. And, and, then, um, and then we have um, later on at eight days old circumcision, right? The covenant of circumcision. Old Testament, so, so again, being faithful to the Old Testament and also being given his name. You were given your name on the eighth day. Um, obviously, I think Mary and Joseph called him Jesus long before that, right? But you're, you get your, uh, your, your legal name. I think over in Europe for, for centuries, you were given your name at your baptism, right? And then, um, and right now, it, it is possible. It, it, the closest thing we have is our birth certificate, right? The hospital comes around, your birth certificate. Because you can call the child anything you want. But once that birth certificate is turned in to the county, um, it, you gotta, it takes money to change that name, right? And so, uh, um, and so, that, that's, so he's given the name Jesus. But this is tied to the Old Testament. The rite of purification at 40 days old is also tied to the Old Testament. Where they take him is the temple. And you see have, and then not to mention um, Simeon's song is just steeped with Old Testament theology. Uh, and then you have Anna also. And then you have the Passover. And where do they go at the Passover? They go to the temple. And Jesus is in the, in the temple and he claims and he, and he confesses that this is his what? Father's house. And, um, and so this is, uh, so so to understand Luke chapter 2, really in its fullness, you have to have this deep knowledge of the Old Testament. But that's also true of Luke chapter 1. If you want to read um, Mary's uh, Magnificat, what do you need to know to understand Mary's Magnificat? What do you need to know if you really appreciate Mary's Magnificat? The Old Testament certainly, but specifically what? The Song of Hannah. You read the Song of Hannah after she becomes pregnant with Samuel, Compare the Song of Hannah with the Magnificat, and, th and then you, you get this. Uh, so you see, see this, and then obviously the Benedictus is closely tied to the Old Testament um, also. And this is something we're, we're going to get into a little bit later on, how to tell the different synoptic Gospels. How many of you have ever heard this uh, kind of thing that, that Luke... You know, Matthew is the gospel written for Jewish Christians, and Luke is the one written for Gentile Christians. Anyone ever heard this? No, 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 uh, no. I mean, this is, you, you read Luke, Luke is closely tied. Now, they might be, okay, they might be Greek-speaking Jewish Christians, but they're not just, you know, ordinary, you know, Zeus worshipers now believe in Jesus. No, no, the Luke chapter, Luke is so steeped in the Old Testament, it's definitely written for a Jewish Christian audience. Okay, this, okay, not that I, not, the Holy Spirit did not tell me this, but this is Pastor Schumacher, you know, it, it, you know, I just kind of, you know, the Gospel of Luke was running in my head for years and years and years. I said, this doesn't work. 
You know, you got to be a, you got to have, this is, this is a Jewish background to understand fully the Gospel of Luke, so I think it's best suited for a, a Jewish Christian audience, um, not, not in the same way as, as Matthew, that's a whole other question, but, um, but, but the Old Testament is through through the, the, the Gospel of Luke, um, in, inside and out. Okay, so I've taken up about the first few minutes of the class talking about, um, about this. Any questions so far about the structure of Luke chapter 2 being one, to be seen as one unit? Is there any questions about this? You can say, Pastor, I don't believe you, too. I mean, this is, that's fine also. Um, but, but any questions? And the reason I do this is because Luke 2 is integrated into the rest of the gospel. It's not a one-off event, like, like we turn it into. And Christmas, therefore, is not a one-off event to kind of be put aside. Um, and especially as, as this whole year, when you, we're, do, we're doing Series C this year, when, when you look at the gospel lessons for the, for the year, um, we need to kind of keep this overall, you know, broad structure of Luke um, intact. In now, having said that, I want to take us, you know, a little bit higher up and see even a broader structure, right? So, um, I'm firmly convinced that Luke and Acts are to be read together. So much so that if somebody told me, now obviously no one's going to tell me to do this at all, okay? No one's going to let me do this at all. That I would suggest reordering the books of the New Testament. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts. Does that make sense? You know... For a long time, my, my, my childhood, and, and, and I was raised in the church, you know, Bible reading and stuff like this. In my mind, Luke and Acts were, you know, you got the four Gospels, the life of Jesus. Then you have Acts is kind of this separate book, right? But I, I think it's very helpful to read Luke 1, I mean, Luke and Acts together and see this as a, as a theological whole. I think it's very helpful to do this. And, and there's all sorts of things to, to show you to do this. Uh, for example, um, Luke 1, you have the preparation for the, for the birth of Christ, right? Luke 2, the birth of Christ. Acts chapter 1, because you begin with the ascension, but then it's preparation for the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, birth of the church. And then Acts 3 and following, ministry of the church. Luke has this uh, um, tremendous travel narrative from Luke chapter 9, verse 51, um, on until Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Acts has Paul's missionary journeys, right? And so, you, so there's very much. But then you see this, this thing, for example, you know, the end of chapter 1, and the child grew and became strong. But talk about the ministry of Jesus. Um, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature with favor with God and man. Okay, so these, these increasing. In the book of Acts, you, you see um, three different markers at very special times in the ministry of Jesus. So think about the book of Acts as the ministry of Jesus through his apostles. The, the Gospel of Luke is the ministry of Jesus in the flesh among his people. Acts is the ministry of Jesus among his people through the works and the words of the apostles. Does that make sense? Now, once you have that, that understanding, in the book of Acts, 
you have the word of God grew. It's Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 12, the word of God grew. Then Acts chapter 13, the word of the Lord grew. Now, there's a whole other thing, uh, maybe for, for the New Testament background, I'll talk about why, why, the, why the change. I was actually, I wrote a paper about that. You know, the Word of God grew, the Word of God grew, the Word of the Lord grew. I said, what, why isn't the Word of God grew the third time, right? Why isn't the Word of the Lord grew? Okay, and so that's a whole other thing to look at the book of it. But you see, in, you know, the child grew, the child grew, and then now in the book of Acts, the Word of the Lord grew. The Word of God grew, the Word of God grew, the Word of the Lord grew. Okay, so... So I think and, and there's other things to point at the unity of, of, of Luke and Acts. I love this about Christmas, okay? I got some, I got some, some kids from the day school here, and then they, at the day school, they always memorize Luke chapter 2, and it, what, how's it begin? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, right? That all the world should be taxed, and this taxation took place when Quirinius the governor of Syria, right? Okay, so... So it's Luke 2, verse 1. Luke 2, verse 1. Um, I, I cannot conceive of a similar power statement in our modern world. The Roman Empire, how vast was it? it it's vast because they did not have our means of communication or transportation. And so imagine, you know, ruling people that are just so far away and yet Caesar in Rome and by the way Rome is a city-state that just keeps on gobbling up things always remember Rome is a city-state it's not a country it's a, it's a city-state that kept on gobbling up things right okay so this Caesar has enough power that a little couple in Nazareth and Nazareth by the way is a small place to 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 um, borrow a phrase it's past the sticks it's into the twigs okay and so that this little couple has to go all the way to Bethlehem to pay taxes to this guy in Rome that it would take you weeks or months to get to see. It took weeks or months for that proclamation to get that far, right? Likewise, some little villager there um, next to the Rock of Gibraltar, some little villager up in Gaul, some little villager in some you know, Grecian hinterland, they also have to go to their hometowns and pay money to this guy back in Rome. Or else you get punished. And he has the power to do that. Caesar has power, right? Now, so in that background, and by the way, Luke chapter 3 firmly grounds the ministry when Tiberius is Caesar. Okay, so once again, we're grounded in a Roman emperor. The book of Acts will also ground us in various emperors. Okay, you got Roman governors. What's going on then is now this little baby who is born under the compulsion of Caesar and has to be born in Bethlehem. Of course, we know he's Christ the Lord. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he grows. He carries on his ministry in this hinterland called Galilee. And he goes to Jerusalem and... And underneath the power of a Roman governor, he is executed. But he dies and he rises again from the dead. And he ascends to the right hand of the Father. That's key. Luke is telling us key. Who's, who's the guy in real power? The one who ascends to the right hand of the Father, right? 
So that's how Acts then begins. And so by the end of the book of Acts, the apostle Paul is preaching the decree of Jesus Christ in Rome. Who's the real one in power, Caesar? How many of you have ever been to Rome? What's left of the Roman Empire in Rome right now? Ruins. And, and you know, it's just, it's just nothingness, right? The Roman Empire fell. And by the way, when the Roman Empire fell, it, it conveniently, you dated 476 AD, right? However, it's, it's, that's more like, um, at what moment did the last glow of the campfire go out? And, you know, it was at 1 a.m. or 1.15 a.m., right? So 47, I mean, that, it was nothing by 476. I mean, really, I think what after 410, there wasn't much of a Roman Empire to begin with. And so, so it just goes, but this gospel of Jesus Christ, there, 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 there. You are underneath the Lord, and he's coming again in glory, right? So who's the real decree? Is the, the real decree is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when you put that, that together, I always like to see this broad scope of Luke and Acts together, Luke 2, all the way to the end of Acts chapter 28. Okay, so I have talked a lot about um, the structure of Luke 2 within the Gospel of Luke. I've placed it also in the broader structure of Luke-Acts, shown parallels between Luke and, and Acts, and brought us all the way to Acts chapter 28, which really brings us to the present, because the Gospel is still going forth today. Okay, so now maybe let's go into the, actually Luke chapter 2. Any questions or comments? Something you want to know about? Yes, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even in Matthew, in the same yeah. section, Matthew's even more nebulous. Yeah, yeah. Word, like, no, and is there no, nobody's ever found, or there's been no writings, or... Oh, there's been writings about Jesus' childhood, but they're, 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 they're you sit back with either a good cup of coffee or a nice beer and you just laugh at them. Because I remember we, we had to read these, these, some of these apocryphal writings about the childhood. For example, uh, Joseph really wasn't a good carpenter, right? So he'd build something and then it, you know, the table's all wobbly, some of this, and Jesus would do it like his, uh, his uh, and all of a sudden, perfect table. And so, and so or, or another story, I remember reading this one, is, is Jesus was pro- playing with one of his friends, and he jumped off the roof of a house, and he, and he says, he told his other buddy, hey, it's fine, the other kid jumps down and, and falls, dies. And so, and so Joseph says, now Jesus, you raise him up, and he raises the other kid up, and they go off playing again. Well, these obviously aren't, aren't, aren't true. They're written a long time afterwards. So, yeah, there's not much, which is, which is kind of interesting because the, you know, the focus, actually, the Gospels, and this is getting a little bit of a head to our to main class we're going to do, the focus of the Gospels actually is on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, yes, and so, and so we don't know much. Luke, what Luke is doing by placing at age 12, again, is the importance of the Passover, the importance of, of, of him being raised in the, in the faith and being brought to Jerusalem, obviously seeing him, his ability to question and answer the teachers of the law. Okay, this is essentially the university faculty, you know, and, and then also him, though, being faithful and submitting to his parents according to, to the Ten Commandments, right? And so, and so, but yeah, there's not much else. It's a great question, Keith. Why don't we don't have more? The Holy Spirit didn't want us to have more. 
you know. So go ahead, Rich. Yeah. Not, not, not those specific. In they fact, it's a, down. yeah, it's, it, yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, uh, you know, in fact, this is kind of a, a, a difficulty, um, you know, because we, we look to, to archaeology and ancient texts to corroborate the, the New Testament, and, and it's very good. I mean, and, and um, I love um, um, listening to, like, stuff, and I, I used to get biblical archaeological review until it's, stacked up so high, I said, I, well, I'm paying for nothing, and so I don't get it anymore. Um, um, apologetics and stuff like, like this, this is, this is really good. The, the, the issue of exactly, you know, the, you know, what year did Caesar Augustus make this decree, and how it was implemented in, in Syria? Now, one question you might have is, is why is Quirinius governor of Syria, is, is that um, when Herod is king in Jerusalem, you know, it doesn't mention, Luke doesn't mention Herod in, in Jerusalem, but Quirinius, he was placed in the broader Roman world at the, at the time. And, um, and Syria was historically closely connected to Galilee. But as far as this individual census, we have difficulty from the Roman records locating this particular census. It doesn't mean it's not there, because our, our records of Roman history, for so many things in Roman history, we know are, are absent. And so the absence of this particular census so we could date it so that would help us date the birth of Jesus. Um, we just don't have enough evidence to, to exactly locate and certainly don't have evidence in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem of, of, of the census. Okay, now, um, okay, that's a great question. Yes, Keith. Quirinius. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's helpful. That's that's very helpful. If you if you don't have a Lutheran study Bible, you know, go sell everything you have and buy one. <laughs> so, 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 it's a tr- it, it, this is study Bible is a true work of uh, a, 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 it's just a true blessing. The first real Lutheran study Bible ever published. Um, at least in English, um, in modern times, because the other study Bibles, the other Concordia study Bible, we borrowed the Zondervan study Bible and kind of Lutheranized a few of the notes. But you don't have Lutheran emphasis. And, and so the Lutheran study Bible is just tremendous, um, a tremendous help for, 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 for all of you. And so um, the only problem with the Lutheran study Bible is that once you start using those footnotes, I might actually have to do more work on my own, you know, because it's a, uh, because it's so thorough, so so good. Yeah. 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 The record, but but only the records that that stand, and 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 you need, you know, because a lot of common records will get lost or decay over time. Because why save common records? You know, so and so, and and or. If they're even there, we just haven't found them yet. You know, once in a while we find like an ancient scroll or something like this. This is why the Dead Sea Scrolls in the mid 1900s were such a find because they they uh, they illuminate and, and and perhaps remind me to talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls in our regular background to New Testament class and maybe just talk a little bit about the importance of the Dead Sea Scrolls. But they they really are a tremendous tremendous find. Um, 
and, and there's so many other things that, that, that are helpful, but we just don't know everything. Um, every year about this, and just kind of an aside, uh, Issues Etc., the podcast, um, occasionally um, uh, Pastor Wilkin has uh, Craig Evans from the Houston Baptist uh, uh, University on, and he, he will highlight this past year in archaeology. And he, I don't know if he did it yet, or is he going to do it? I, I don't know. But, but it's just, he talks about archaeology and the, and the Bible, and he highlights things throughout the year, but especially he'll highlight all the major discoveries in the past year that happened in, in the Holy Land. Okay, other questions about Christmas, Luke chapter 2, how it fits together. Um, and so I do want to, um, I do want to highlight um, uh, one, there, there's so much to, to highlight in, in the story, but I do want to highlight there is, there is one major difference that you pick up on. Okay, Luke chapter 2, the King James Version is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. In the ESV, look at it, it says glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay? Um, now, now, ultimately, you know, in terms of our salvation, not, neither is different. So what you have in the, in the ESV is, um, is what we call um, a, a, a different Greek tra- tradition. Um, it's, it's the and, and not the majority text of, that was used at the time of Luther. And so we've had older Greek manuscripts, Synodicus, Vaticanus, and, and so this appears to match the older Greek manuscripts in, in this verse. So that's the, that's the difference. Um, but I think it's important, I think, to, to notice what it's saying in, in your ESV, and earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God puts his favor upon us in his son Jesus. So if you want to know God's favor, you got to know Jesus. You know, this, this, this uh, nebulous, like, like when somebody sneezes, of course, some people, you just say, God bless you without even thinking about God. But just God bless you without locating who God is and what he's done and locating the word God, especially in the Trinity and in the person of Jesus Christ who dies to save, misses the point. God's favor is in Christ Jesus. You cannot have God's favor apart from Christ Jesus. Okay, so I think that's, that's just an important thing to, to always remember. Okay, well, let's, let's look a little bit more at the, at the Christmas account itself. Um, any questions about the chapter as a whole? Or, or are Jesus in the temple today, which is the gospel lesson? Okay, questions are good. No questions? Okay, so, so let's look at what is Luke doing in this entire chapter is... Uh, is, is showing us kind of this complete thing. If you go to Luke chapter 1, Luke tells us what he's doing. Inasmuch as many have taken to complete a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me, since Luke is not an apostle, so it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have, and I love this word, certainty. It's, a, it's also going to be translated safety concerning the things you have been taught. 
And the word that you have been taught there at the introduction to Luke is, um, I'm just turning to it now, in, in my, is catechephes, uh, um, where we get what? Catechism from, that you've been catechized into. And so, so, so Luke is going to, wants to write an orderly account, kind of a historical account, the ministry of Jesus, so that you would have safety or certainty in, in Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's kind of this overarching purpose of, of his whole gospel. And then, then he, and then he also has an introduction, a similar introduction at the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Okay, so, yeah, go ahead, Dave, yes. Yes. Right. So how do we justify claiming that Luke is also inspired by the Holy Spirit? Or do we? Oh, we, we do. I mean, he is also inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke, like um, Mark, though, Mark is not an apostle. Mark gives his little mark that he was actually visibly present because he's the young man who runs. We, we think he's the young man who runs away naked in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? So he was present. So Mark testifies essentially to the words of, of, of Peter, right? Okay, and this is the early church's testimony. Luke is a frequent companion of the Apostle Paul, who is an apostle, and the Apostle Paul had Jesus revealed to him directly by Jesus himself, okay? Now, the exact words of the gospel, what we believe happened is that Luke is set in the Holy Land, okay, and he is listening to the apostles and he's writing an orderly account that he's getting directly from the apostles. And so, and, and he's doing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how to view, view Luke. And so, uh, but he's not, Mark and Luke are not directly apostles. Matthew and John are. But they're writing the words of the apostles and they're handing down that which has been given to them. Okay, and, and Luke being a physician is being very orderly about it. Now that word orderly is, is, a, is a little bit tricky because he, he's got a system, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to mention every event. Because obviously if you match up Luke with Matthew, and, um, you know, it's not the exact same events. He, he, he omits certain things and stuff like this. Uh, like he doesn't have magi in him. And by the way, uh, this magi, and I use that word magi, I'm avoiding the word wise men. I avoid the word wise men. Why? Book of Daniel. Um, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. In his dream, he wants his dream interpreted. So he turns to who to interpret his, his dream? Magi. Can they? No. Only Daniel can. Okay? And so what, what happens when, and another reason, so that's, that's one thing connected to the book of Daniel, Another reason, though, is some people have this idea that if you're really wise according to earthly standards, then you're a little bit closer to learning the gospel. How true is that? It, 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 if you look in the Bible, how true is it? You know, are the wise and very learned Pharisees close to knowing Jesus Christ as Savior? No. Are the teachers of the law in the temple close to learning? No. Are the Sadducees ground steeply in the Torah close to knowing Jesus? No. How about these Roman officials? No. 
To whom has the gospel been revealed? It's to the weak and the lowly, right? And so, and so the Magi, the importance of the Magi story for Epiphany is the revelation of Christ to them by God himself. And when they get to Jerusalem, do they know where to go? No, it's the word of God that points them to Bethlehem. Even when they get to Bethlehem, the star has to tell them, hey, this is the exact house to go to. So, so I, I try to avoid the word wise men because it, it, it tends to give credence to, to something in us that makes us worthy. And how much is in me that's worthy of God? Nothing. It's all gift. Jesus is nothing but gift for you and me. Okay. Other questions? Okay. So, so let's just, uh, um, yeah, let's just continue. So, so, okay. And all went to be registered, each his own town. And then you have a slight break um, between three and four. And Joseph went off, up from Galilee. And so it, it locates from the town of Nazareth to the city of David. It's called Bethlehem because he was at the house of the lineage of David. We talked about the, that importance right here. The Holy Spirit's letting us know, hey, this is not any ordinary town. This is David's town right here. Um, our opening hymn today, once in royal David's city. Great, great uh, Christmas hymn. Um, to be registered with Mary's betrothed who was with child. And while there, the time came for her to give birth. Notice, notice we are not told that they got into town and she was already, uh, Joseph, I think it's, t- no, no, we, it could have been town for, for a while. We don't know how long they were there. Now, what's this place for no place in the inn? You know, the Hilton had no place for them. How about the Holiday Inn Equality, right? The Sheraton is closed too? No, no. The inn right there would be a, just a place to, to lodge. So Joseph, uh, he searches among his relatives, and no one's got, in, in, a, in a Jewish home, and back then among poor people, you'd have a home, but you also have your animals kept like in the back of the house, right? You know, and a separate area, maybe a different level because you, don't, you wouldn't want them to step up on your level. You wouldn't want to step down to their level and step on manure, right? So, uh, so it's kind of in the back. You know, could have, been, could have even been, since it's a hilly place, could have even been like a cave in, in the back. So there's no place for them in the main part of the home. So they had to go where the animals were at, okay? And it's probably just not them. That was probably very common because... You have all these people of the lineage of David, and Bethlehem is not that big of a place. So Bethlehem is very crowded. Everyone's going to be there for, for, for taxation purposes. And Mary's going to have a child. Okay, so you have shepherds, and you've heard about the shepherds. Shepherds being rather outcasts. Shepherds because of the close contact, especially with dead animals. Um, and, and, I mean, they... that they would have had a hard time being ritually pure to enter the temple. Okay, so shepherds were lowly people, kind of low end in the totem pole. Now what's helpful though, is to understand that we've already placed Joseph at the house in line of David. What was David's profession before he became king? He was a shepherd in the fields around Bethlehem, right? And so, so David, when he's anointed to be king, is coming in from the fields. Remember, you know, Samuel says, do you have any more? I have my youngest, he's coming in. And then he anoints David to be king. And he's, of course, lowly stature, David becomes the great, great king. So, and so the, so the angel of the Lord appears to them. And, and by the way, you know, angels is fearsome. Um, 
I'm, I'm looking at this bath. We've got to remember to do this. I'm, I started searching church art sites to, to, to maybe need a new angel with our, our, our manger display up, up front. You know, um, I've been searching. I've I got to lose some search. I've got to talk to some people who know something about church art. You know, maybe some of the professors at Concordia. Um, because, you know, every time in the Bible you ever see an angel as an angel, what's the response? Not, not angel disguised as a man. You, yeah. Whoa. You know, um, you know, and, you know, and then the angel has to say, and this is repeated in, in Luke 1 and in Luke 2, fear not. So we think, even though it's not identified, we think the same angel as Gabriel. And again, you heard my mantra before. Gabriel means God is a Gabor, which is a man of war. God is a warrior. You know, hearkening back to maybe Exodus 14, where God has bared his, his right arm in slaying Pharaoh's armies, right? So God is a warrior. And so angels, uh, again, the, and by the way, the, the angels, the, the heavenly host right there, it's, it's angels like in battle array. I think that's what the Greek would say like this. So, so these angels that are singing the praises of God are also the army who will come with Christ the next time we see angels coming is at the end of the world where angels come to snatch us out and then to defeat all the forces of the evil one. That, that's in the book of Revelation, right? And so, but you also have, um, and, and so these, these angels are terrifying, they're mighty, they're warriors, but they're also bringing the message of good news, which shall be to all people. The word all people right there is, is more specifically to the people of God. Now, this is not saying it's not universal salvation, but it's only really good news for you. The outside world does not have good news because it does not have forgiveness of sins in Jesus. Okay, and, and hence the outside world just pretty much wants to ignore. I, I, I did notice this year, seems like there's been a little tilt back that I heard in the outside world uh, more Christmas the word Christmas as opposed to just season's greetings or stuff like this. I didn't have to work as hard at a store to say Merry Christmas, you know, as some years. And I noticed the displays a little bit more outside Christmas or stuff like this. Not that the world believes in Christ, but I just saw that, that maybe this season's greetings is, is not quite as popular as a substitute for the word Christmas. I don't know. But ultimately, the world doesn't care about Christ, does it? Okay. But this is good news. So you have the good news. The world doesn't. This is the gospel, which is to you. And so it's kind of interesting. So um, the angel says, so fear not, for behold, I am I'm good newsing you. I'm evangelizing you with, with this news of great joy. So it says this overflowing um, expression right here. And then unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Um, and there's a sign. You can find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And so, and so, Almost every picture you see of Jesus, you know, look at, look at his, his clothing. It looks like almost one piece, right? It's, I don't think that's really what's talked about right here. It's more like scraps. You just kind of put it together. I, I don't know there would have been one piece to wrap him around. I think it, it would have been, at, you know, various pieces. Maybe they're sewed together. You know, Mary sewed them together. But... But they probably would have been irregular in, in, in coloration or shape. Just something to put the baby into. Because that's all she has. 
That's all that's there for the Savior. And so what a contrast between a Savior laying in a stone manger versus Caesar in Rome who makes this decree. It's, it's quite a contrast. Um, but this is what our Lord designs for, for himself. The Lord wanted to be born in a humble state because he carries himself in humility to be our Savior. Okay, um, that's 45 after. Didn't get too far, did I? Um, uh, well, actually, I did. Okay. So, any other questions about the Christmas story? Do you want to? Um, yes, go ahead. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. Somebody called a Moel. Okay. But I don't know who the Moel would be, uh, whether it's a, somebody in Bethlehem who was trained to, to be the, the one who circumcised. But I, I do. That's a great question. So if you email me, I'll try to find, find out, you know, who would have circumcised Jesus at the time. Who, but it, but it, is, it, is, it is religious ceremony, okay? And so, um, and, and so, and that's also the time when you get your, your name. Now, to the extent some people say that's when he sheds blood. But when you go back into, into the circumcision, the covenant of circumcision with Abraham, it's more to place you as a child of God. It's to place Jesus among the people of God, and then his baptism is where he takes the mantle of taking the place of sinners. Then he goes into the wilderness and is, and is immediately tempted. And then, he, then, then after successfully overcoming the temptation of Satan for 40 days, then he carries on and preaches, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And in the Gospel of Luke, immediately after his temptation, well, first of all, you have the genealogy of Luke. There's a whole other question about that. But then you have Jesus at the synagogue in Nazareth, reads Isaiah, and says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And what was the response? Uh, well, no, they're going to throw him off the cliff. Th- it was a stone to throw off the cliff. I think they wanted to throw him off the cliff, and then Jesus leaves. And so, and so he's not welcome in his own hometown. Um, so it's, a, it's something else. But... We have another divine service. Jesus' body and blood is for us. I hope you had fun today. You know, I just thought Luke chapter 2. And uh, thank you, Beth, for getting this done. Kate, Kara Janetsky was a, was a real help today. And, um, and so get this done. Because the one time I color-coded something for you, I could have printed black and white easily. But I, had, I'd spent, I went through the, every verse, color-coding it. Red is a more distinctive and almost like a little bit of a mini break. The green is the simple and, okay, so if in your color coding. And, and a couple places you'll notice, for example, in verse, um, um, and verse 25, it just says, now there was a man in Jerusalem. The Greek actually says and, simple and, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. The word now doesn't, doesn't appear right, right there. So, okay, so... And I do that a couple other places. Um, in verse 41, it doesn't say now in the Greek. It's just a simple word, and. But I don't, I saying all this, do not think that Pastor Schumacher's any great shakes. I'm, I'm working on my Greek, working on my Hebrew, working on my German. My Latin is horrible right now. So, but, but these things are, are important, especially the Greek and Hebrew. And I, I, I am actually working back through my Hebrew text so that my Hebrew is functional once again. So God bless all of you. Merry Christmas.